ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hi, everyone. I am very excited about my guest this week, Chris Littlefield. Chris has a mission to transform the global conversation around giving and receiving recognition by providing programs that develop awareness, support authentic communication, and make a tangible difference in people's lives at home and at work. He is an organizational consultant and an executive coach and a global traveler. Unbelievable, the work that he's done around the world. And I just want to share a little bit of it with you. He's an an international and TEDx speaker, and he specializes in employee appreciation, recognition, and workplace culture. And he's the founder of the website Beyond Thank You. He's trained thousands of leaders across six continents on how to understand what their people want and need to be at their best. His clients um, are pretty uh, impressive. They include Accenture, Lebanese Postal Service, the Boston Medical Center, Reserve Bank of Australia, Salesforce, the U.S. Army and Air Force, the United Nations, and many more. His work has been featured in New York, Mindful, and British Psychologies magazines, and profiled in the Harvard Business Review. Chris is a regular contributor to Forbes and Harvard Business Review, and the author of the best-selling book, 75 Plus Team Building Activities for Remote Teams. He says his motto I hear at the end of his um, YouTube videos are stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. And he really walks the walk and talks the talk about the work that he does. I think you'll enjoy the conversation and find some very um, useful tips around making people feel comfortable and feel appreciated. So thank you and enjoy. Hi, everyone. This is Janice Porter. Welcome to the Relationships Rule Show. This week, my guest is Chris Littlefield coming to us from the other coast. We call it um, the the East Coast over here. It is uh, from the Washington, D.C. area. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for having me, Janice. It's great to be with you today. My pleasure. So, Chris, I think I was introduced to Chris by a, uh, a client of mine, actually, and The reason I was intrigued is because he is all about building and keeping relationships just like I am and the the value of building and um, and being aware of how we operate in the world of business with people showing empathy, showing that you care. It's it's kind of not a lost art, but in some cases it's really changed over over time and. First of all, I just want to mention, Chris, you're like a global traveler in my world. I, I've never been to, uh, to work in the many places you have. It's amazing. I think you worked in Beirut. You've been in, in South America. You've been um, all over the United States. Have you been in Australia too and, and Europe? I, have. I actually did some work with a couple times. I think I've been to Australia three different times. 
And it's funny because it was my it was my dream as a kid to go to Australia because I think I was obsessed with like koalas and kangaroos, <laughs> marsupials as a kid. And so I fulfilled that dream. I don't know, I think it was maybe 2016. I got a project with UNICEF in Fiji and I was going to run a, a retreat with UNICEF in the South Pacific. And I had a stopover in Australia where I got to meet uh, a dear friend that I'd been connected to for several years, but just online. She'd seen my TED talk from 2012 in Beirut and had connected because it was around appreciation. And so we finally got a chance to meet and I ended up, she set up some programs for me while I was there. And then I've gone back a couple of times to work with the Reserve Bank of Australia, Customer Service Institute down there. And just, it's it's an extraordinary, extraordinary place. Uh, It's like being in San Francisco, but a whole different world where you're on the coast, there's the ocean right there. People are kind, relaxed. And it's just, Sydney's an absolutely beautiful city. Yes, it looks like it. It's very much like Vancouver, actually. Same thing. San Francisco, Sydney, that the coast, the mountains, everybody's healthy. And the thing down exactly. there, we all drink beer all the time, right? No, just yeah, Vancouver, but warm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So if I could just back up for a second, though, um, and ask you, were you in corporate yourself? I was not. So I actually was a 28-year-old camp counselor. And so I work and I, and I say that, but I worked, you know, it was a joke among friends when we were, we were down in Chile and I was in there because my wife worked for an international organization for several years. And so we traveled around the world with her job. And then I ran my business from wherever I was located, Fantastic. which was easy to be able to do that in, in the remote world. And this was long before the pandemic and all the rest. Yeah. But I have always, in one form or another, worked in either youth leadership or leadership development, but anywhere from running youth programs to running anti-bias workshops in schools with the Center for the Prevention of Hate Violence to, you know, randomly, depending on where the economy was, you know, I worked in scholastic book fairs at one point in time. I, you know, I was the one who packed the boxes that went in there. And then on the side, I was running conflict resolution programs. But the challenge is, is the field of conflict resolution is not one that you're going to make money in. Right. Mm-hmm. People pay for conflict or they pay for lawyers, but they don't pay for people to come in and facilitate discussions that help resolve conflicts faster. So that was my background. I was doing that. And I had uh, several projects a year with uh, funded by the U.S. State Department with the Imagine Center for Conflict Transformation. So I was doing those programs both in the U.S. and over in the Republic of Georgia uh, because it was the neutral location between Armenia and Azerbaijan. I ran programs in Syria or excuse me, four people from Syria, but we ran them in Lebanon because it was an active conflict. Um, and then I, through that work, because I was doing that and doing a lot of leadership development work and translating those lessons from the conflict resolution programs back into the workplace, I got hired a lot to come in and help teams in all different levels of the organization that stop communicating to start communicating again. Right. Like all of a sudden, everyone knows the experience of having a toxic work relationship where all of a sudden we've avoided having the conversations back when there were minor issues. And then over time, it progresses into a toxic relationship where we stop communicating, we start hedging our attitudes, we start holding back resources. And so because I was being brought in to do that, a lot of companies and run team building retreats. And even though my book says 75 team building teams, teams, I hate the word team building. Mm. It's what people search for when they have a problem. We're not working well. We need team building. But really what we need is we need relationship building. We need to have conversations. We need to slow down what's going on, step out of the work and the stress for a couple hours to then talk about and start cleaning up and having those conversations that are at the base of our relationships and allow us to work better together. 
Wow. So not anybody could do what you did. I mean, to be able to see that the the individual work that you were doing, you built a huge reputation for yourself around the world um, as that person who um, who cares and, and uh, who teaches. I, I don't know. I was listening to something this morning that you had done on uh, or watched on YouTube, and mm-hmm. and it made me think about um, the old days when I was um, working in corporate and when I was I was a trainer and there were, you know, there were different flavors of the the month that you did as a trainer, right? And I remembered, I had this flashback to um, how toys on the table were like a thing, right? And you had, you know, uh, stress balls and, um, you know, uh, Nerf balls that you could throw to each other around the table while you're having this, this training session, which was a bit crazy, but it was, it was a thing at the time. And I'm, I'm aging myself, but um, it was like, loosen up, get people more, more comfortable with, within the, the setup. And you were talking about um, the, the one sixth rule, the one out of six rule, the 10 minutes of every hour. For every hour of meeting time, one sixth of it should be used for relationship building. We should always make time for connection before content. If it's a two hour meeting, 20 minutes, if it's a three hour meeting, that's inhumane. Nobody should yeah. have a three hour meeting. I think what's, I, I think the interesting thing is that, you know, I was, I was just speaking at an HR conference uh, last week and, and someone found out about my work in conflict resolution. And it was kind of, in that, that time that you, we haven't had so much the last years, there was like a, it was in Minnesota and we were out on a boat. And so we went around kind of like a Mississippi river boat and it was really cool, but we just got to sit down and just chat. And someone was asking about, well, how do you facilitate these conversations and how do you create the environment where people feel safe to speak and like sharing those balls and, and, and people passing and having those things to connect about and asking conversations, you know, it, it brings me back to one of the, first years I was running these programs between folks from Armenia and Azerbaijan. And I remember being out. And so I very consciously built the container in which people are showing up in, right? So people think that it looks organic, like these things are just on the table and you were a trainer, but you're actually setting an environment for learning to happen. And so when we'd be having these dialogues and as leaders who are, you know, creating environment on the team, we're consciously thinking about the space. We're thinking about the space and how the space dictates conversations. So what, you know, one early on in the program, prior to we get into any conversations about the actual conflict, we'd be doing activities just to relate as people. And I rem- I'll never forget this big guy from Azerbaijan. He kind of, he kind of paddled up to me on day one, we were out kayak and he's like, can you do some more of those activities tonight where you just help us talk? Cause it's really awkward and we don't know what to talk about. And then he just paddled off quickly, but he's like, can you do those games? Because they just kind of put us at ease. They have us see our humanity in each other as people, not as coworkers with those agendas, but just as people mm-hmm. And that thing. And so every one of our programs, we had shared space. People would be sharing rooms together. And I'll never forget a, a participant who said, I didn't know that you had palm olive soap in, in your country as well. <laughs> funny things where we just, we remove that, that perception we have And then we get to see the human behind it. And in our workplaces, we're doing that as well. And over this last year, some managers have been really great about it. They've been really great at just realizing that, hey, we are connecting in 2D. 
but I see things in the back. I see your plant. I see your pictures. I see the cards up on the wall. I, you know, see, you know, what you're reacting to. And when I ask you a question, it gives me a window into the world that's going on behind that other door over there that I don't see. Right. I know that most people's desks are messy behind the camera, but we don't see that because we point the camera to see the part that's clean. If I if I roll my rolling desk over, you're going to start to see the mess that's over on the counter over there. And then I turn it back around and hopefully don't get disconnected. You see this pretty backdrop that is only this two feet. And then the mess is on this side. And so we're giving people windows into the world because we don't connect on we don't connect around perfection. We connect around the messy stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. I think so as leaders and things like that, we're slowly inching people into those conversations so we can see the human, we can see the humanity, but still own who we are and what we're responsible for producing. But we can do that in an environment where we can, you know, people talk about bringing your best self to work, bringing your whole self and seeing it. Bringing your whole self means like, yeah, it ain't perfect all the time, but I'm still going to produce these results that I'm accountable for because that's my responsibility. But my responsibility is to take care of the person that allows me to do that. Mm, yeah, that's so wonderful. Um, I, you made me think of, I was doing a podcast interview uh, on a Saturday, which is unusual, but it was yep. an event I was, I was part of. And I had said to my, and we babysit my granddaughter on Saturdays. And I'd asked my husband to, you know, don't come in between this hour and this hour because I'm recording. Yep. Sure enough, in comes my, or he's out there and she's like, she's like, hi, grandma, can I come in, you know, and opens the door and comes in, she's two. And it was like priceless, but it was also, uh, no, <laughs> you know, so it was just human life. It was just life, you know, it taking is, you know what that moment of connection, right. Is the thing that people relate to. Right. Yeah. And I think that I, I will never forget a moment. So early on in the pandemic, I was, you know, it was just when everyone's shifted to remote and I'd been asked by a team at Facebook to, to run a, a retreat for their team. And it was a friend of mine from Lebanon. He was on this new team. He's like, we've never met each other. Really. We've been working together for a year. And the manager of the team, I was meeting with her to kind of prepare. And, and this was kind of a big opportunity in the beginning. And I was just like, Hey, my daughter's in the next room watching videos. So please excuse me if she comes in and she goes, if she does, I'd love to meet uh, her. Yeah. Yeah. And we forget that as leaders and, and as people and as humans, right. That we're inviting that in. If that person comes in, it should never be an interruption. Yeah. It should be an opportunity to connect. And I was doing a workshop with, I, I run a hybrid leadership uh, playbook program and I was running that program yesterday. And I did that invitation And right as I did, and this was a group of 60 people, a woman turned her camera on. She goes, here's my daughter, Isabel, right now. Aww. She had an opportunity to bring her family into the conversation where people got to smile and make faces. And her kid who was grabbing everything's on her desk stopped and just looked up and we all made faces at her <laughs> to be able to connect. And yeah. that's how we have people feel safe to be the parents that they are. Because yeah. why do people work, right? Yeah. I work so I can have a better life for my daughter, yeah. right? For my family. And so trying to hide that we have families and that we have responsibilities as grandparents and that we have kids. Well, all of a sudden now I know that you have grandchildren. I know you have kids and they must live in the area or maybe they don't, but that gives me things to connect with you about opposed to just connecting around work. So true that, um, and, and like pearls of wisdom really, because I think you're right. The pandemic actually has, has allowed that to happen, you know, and you know, the, Early on, there were those that viral video about the, you know, I think it was a world leader that that 
it might have been in England, I think, who was having a meeting and some kid, the kid or the wife was arguing with the kid and it was outside the door, whatever. Yeah, but it's become more. Yeah. Yeah, it's become more commonplace now and it's okay. Um, but that reminded me of another thing. So when you're seeing these news um, uh, reporters on TV or the news, not the anchors, but people reporting from their homes about different things, and you're always seeing amazingly different um, uh, settings, just like you you um, referred to before. And there's a guy here, a he's like, he he's the government reporter kind of thing. He's been on the beat with the local government, the provincial government for a long time. And I can never figure out what's on his bookshelf behind him. It's like the weirdest books, but I'm so busy trying to figure that out that I get lost in it sometimes. But it is interesting what you see. And the and the news people that have put their kids' pictures up, you know, pasted them up behind them and taped them up because it is becoming more real to do that. And I pay attention to those details like you do. Not everybody does, but um, but it's the permission has been granted it seems more so he was always i i think that so much of the world was designed prior to live our lives around our jobs mm -hmm. and then set up all of these different support structures to allow us to be there and be present right and it in yeah. and, and work before forced us to choose between spending time with family yes. and spending time in our jobs and then this last two years gave us an opportunity to realize, wow, we could actually have both of those at the same time. And, you know, everyone, everyone refers to this year as, you know, this last year and all the employees leaving jobs is the great resignation. But I think that's the wrong term. I would, I would call it the great reevaluation. Mm -hmm. And people are resigning because they're reevaluating what's really important. You know, is it worth it for us to go into a job uh, and work with people that we don't enjoy being around each day? Yeah. Is it worth it having a boss that we feel like crap when we leave every interaction? Is it worth it driving an hour and a half, two hours to sit in the same meeting virtually that I would be sitting with in my desk? Yeah. You know, and it, and it doesn't mean we need that time together with our coworkers. We need that time to build relationships because it's when you're just connecting and you don't have a timer that goes off that says this meeting is over at this time then your conversations have an opportunity to organically progress. And that comfort level, because we test, hey, can I talk about this? Can I go there? Can I go a little bit deeper? Because online, you know, you don't like something, you can just close yes. the connection. But yes. when you're in person, it's a little bit harder to do that, you know? And so you need to progress. And so you can go to deeper levels. You can see that it's safe to ask another question and to, to expand that relationship where when you're virtual, we don't have the opportunity. So we need those two things at parallel at the same time. And right now, as we re everyone's renegotiating kind of what the, the future of work is going to look like, yeah. you know, I don't want to go back. I do want to go back. This is a conversation where people are just expressing positions. Mm -hmm. We're expressing our position and in conflict resolution, if we want to resolve a conflict, we don't want us to be speaking at the level of positions. You're this way. I'm that way. You only do this. You only do that. I need to have this is a position, but behind every position and behind every complaint is a need or a concern. Mm -hmm. And so when we dig down a little bit and we ask, why do you not want to go back? Well, I don't want to spend three hours away from my kids when I could be there. I want to be there when my daughter comes home from school. I want to be able to have lunch with my wife a couple of times a week when we don't have to pay for babysitter. Yeah. You know, like 
those things. And why does it that I need everybody back in the office? Well, why do you need everybody back in the office? Well, because I miss having time where we're not being interrupted by all these outside distractions. I want <laughs> focus time, but that doesn't, when we understand the needs and concerns of people, then we can sculpt an environment that works for everybody and supports people and doesn't ask them to choose between what they really appreciate and why they're doing the work, which is spending time with family or being able to do those things that they're able to do to take care of themselves and them being there to do great work at work. Mm. So if I could just shift the, the audience in a sense, um, and ask you because you go into organizations or you go to do um, presentations and, and keynote speaker things with groups that you haven't met before. And whether it's in person or whether it's on, um, on Zoom or a like um, platform, um, you talk about, um, well, you, I, I heard you say you do check-ins, like authentic kind of check-ins with people. So in your when you're doing meetings, okay? But yep. when you're at the keynote or you're um, coming in like I do on Zoom to do training with people I've never met before, how do you how do you soften them? How do you bring them to the table um, and um, engage with you early on so they're not turning off the screens so that you want because that's the biggest hardest thing for me if I'm in person with people I can see them I can interact with them if I can't get them to turn on their screens I can't interact with them and that's why before we went on on um, camera here I was asking you about my zoom thing because when I'm training I'm training on one screen but I can see my audience on the other and so that for me is important. So I, I think the, the key with anything is that you're, you know, and this is from, you know, with a background working with youth, yeah. I think it's one of the best ways to develop your skills to work with adults. Because the, so many people think that, um, that people want this formal training, right? Where people want to laugh and play. They want to know what's in it for them. And so when you're running a training, you're running a workshop, or you're working with your team, you're crafting an experience. And many people think that that experience starts when the camera turns on and the program starts. But actually that experience starts long before your program. It starts long before your meeting. It's what do I send out beforehand? What message do I send out? How do I tell people that we're going to experience this together? You know, when I'm running workshops, I'll often record a video via Loom. If you've ever, I think I may have sent one to you. I love this, where you can quickly use this platform. And the reason why I love Loom, um, and I'm not promoting Loom, I'm just a big fan, is that, and a, a fellow speaker shared a video with me, is you, you hit a button in a widget, it records right there, you title it, and it creates a link that you drop in, and it puts a GIF of you into the message. But I give people an experience of who I am first. I'll send a message to them. I'll let them know what we're going to do in the program and why we're going to do it so they can connect with me. And so then once I'm on a call, I'm, I'm setting the stage with my tone. I always have music playing when we first get on. I ask people to guess the tune. I always have a welcome question at the beginning of my, every call I have. I put a question up and just say, what were you doing five minutes before the meeting? And the reason why I ask, what, was, what were you doing five minutes before the meeting today? Because everybody's always coming from something and going to something else, yeah. right? And so when we're aware of that, of what they're coming from, it triggers empathy in ourselves that it's not just what do I need to accomplish in this meeting and why am I here? It slows me down to think, oh, 
wow, they were just dealing with this beforehand. Well, maybe, you know what? I just was trying to grab lunch quick. Did you get to eat lunch? No. Well, you know what? Feel free to eat your lunch while we're having our conversation today. If you need to go to the bathroom, yeah, I didn't even do this. So why don't we pause for two minutes? You go to the bathroom and then we start. But when we get people sharing, when do people feel included is when they feel like they're contributing. When they feel like this is going to be fun, I'm going to get something out of it. No one should go more than five minutes without contributing or hearing something that's going to contribute to them. That's brilliant. So, um, so if you're doing this over Zoom, you put a um, a question on the screen. Is that what you said? I'll often do it. I mean, we're on here. I know this is a podcast. I don't know if you share the video of this, but I have. You know, I was running something yesterday for a company called Link. And so I have this right when I come on up over my shoulder. And if this is people are just listening to the podcast, I have a backdrop behind me which says welcome questions. And it says, what were you doing five minutes before the meeting? And then what's one thing that made you smile recently? And I have people put their answers into the chat. And so people can engage with that. They can share it gets coworkers. If it's coworkers in the program together, they're talking together. And then up on the other side of the virtual backdrop, which you can't see if you're listening, is a thing about how to update your name. Because many people will show up onto Zoom and what I love about Zoom is it has everyone's names written down on the bottom. So when someone's sharing, you don't have to guess their name. If you forgot your coworker's name, you can do that. And so you can <laughs> see their name, but I have people who come in and it's like 976532. <laughs> I don't I can't call you by name, so I ask people to update their name so when I call on them, I'm calling on them by name. Right. It's that's a simple thing. And then one great thing for teams is if you have a new group of people that don't know each other, one of the greatest things you can do on Zoom, just a tip for getting everyone's names, have everybody turn their cameras on real quick, have, make sure they've updated their names with first and last name. You can put their department on there and then take a screenshot with their faces and their names at the bottom. And then you have a, vert, a visual of all those people. And so specifically when you're onboarding a new employee and they want to know who everybody is, take that screenshot right there. Instead of having everybody send their photos in and you got to create something, you can create like a Facebook face page, whatever yeah. you want to call it, a bio page for everybody on your team for that new employee. And then as a leader, what a great thing to do is to print that out, keep that on your desk. So when you're thinking about things every single day, you're looking at that group of people to remember uh, who are the people that I'm working with. That's a great tip. That's really cool. Thank you. So that brings me to a question that I love um, asking people, which is about um, names, remembering names, because mm -hmm. Um, there are people who say, oh, I never remember names. And um, one of them is my husband, but I believe he says, I can't remember names. And I don't believe that's the case at all, because I think it's a skill that can be learned. And I think it's an important one, because when you call people by name, they pay attention and, you know, they, they know. So what's your take on that? Um, I think, yes. I mean, I, I am just like your husband multiple times said, I'm going to remember every single detail about our conversation but I will, I will ask you your name next time. I have a playground right behind my house. I have a six-year-old and I'll come out and there's people that they've told me their names like six, seven times. I remember who their kids are. I remember what we've talked about. And I always at the end of each conversation said, what was your name again? And I'm like, I'm going to ask you again next time because I'm always forgetting because I'm meeting so many kids and parents. And so I will, I will say that just to make it okay for them too, because there's nothing more awkward than meeting someone seven times and <laughs> again. But then what I do to remember is I just have to, I have to associate them with somebody else that I know. And I remember, so, you know, we have a, 
a neighbor down the road and her husband's name is Drew, Drew Carey. Okay, great. And her name is Lindsay. Okay, Lindsay Hawking. So I remember somebody else that I associate, I can associate them with and then I won't won't forget their names. Yeah. And I will, I will write it down, you know, but I just, I think that one of the skills that um, is needed now more than ever is intentional remembering, you know, is that intentionally remembering key things that people did or they contributed because nothing sends a message to someone faster that you care about them than remembering without them cueing you to remember. So, you know, not when we just get on a call with a person, but, you know, if somebody lost somebody, you know, close to them, then what I'll often do is I'll jot down a note of when that, when they told me that. And then a month later, I'll reach back in to check in how they're doing. And this is something that I think I probably learned because when I lost my father, I remember I was 20 years old and I remember that everybody showed up for that first month when it happened and he died very suddenly of a brain aneurysm. Everybody showed up and you feel so cared for. And then about a month later, everybody's gone. And then there's those people who keep on checking in. Hey, how are you doing? I'm still thinking of you. Hey, I thought of your dad today. And some that five, 10 years now, 20 years later, still do that, right? And realizing how much of a difference that makes. So now I'm really conscious of that, of remembering that, or, hey, I know you were working on such and such. How's it going? Yeah. And what I do is that if somebody, if I think of somebody and I have the ability, and this is why I love having people via text message or WhatsApp or even yeah. on Facebook, is just instantly think of somebody and I think of something they shared or I just read something you may think of them. I will stop doing what I'm doing and take just two seconds, record them a quick message and send it to them. You know, and this is, I think, what's really important around circumstance awareness, right? I call it impact awareness. And there's impact awareness of how our actions and behaviors impact others, which is important. And then there's also circumstance awareness. How do outside and external circumstances impact people's inside world? You know, when things happened in Buffalo, uh, New York the other day, and this horrific shooting that happened, thinking about the people in my life and how this is going to impact them and just reaching out and saying, I just want to check in and see how you're doing. You know, and that reminder that I'm aware that this happened and aware that this may impact you. Or we just, you know what? I realized so-and-so has been out sick with COVID for 10 weeks, Mm -hmm. 10 weeks, sorry, 10 days. Hey, what does this mean for you, right? And that awareness of we have people in our lives and maybe they have kids, maybe they don't have kids, maybe they have grandkids, maybe they have family members are sick and staying aware of, they mentioned that so-and-so was sick the other day. So the next time I talk with them, check in, hey, how are they feeling? Right, and that intentional remembering shows people that we care about them more than just what we need from them. Uh, I call it acting on my promptings, and and I like to do that with with my cards that I send people. But what happens is, and of course, that's not quite as instant as yeah. as the you know recorded message that you can do. And sometimes I do both. Mm-hmm. But what I what I love is when people say, "You don't understand," but bless you that card came at the very time it was supposed to and it would just made my day it made my week whatever and it's just being able to reach out and just do that and let it go and you know that you've done something um uh for somebody else it's such a good feeling right yeah. i think the big difference between the tangible card than the the video is in this world of digital messages and all the rest the the problem is is those amazing things get lost and you're never going to see them again. You're never going to bump into them again. And so that tangible thing, like a card, and I have one of the cards you, you, you sent me, you know, a week ago, which I really appreciate. Um, you're good people. Well, <laughs> I have that, 
And that will go into a folder and, I, and I'll keep that. It's that tangible thing. And so in my workshops, I have people write thank you cards mm. and I actually have them physically write them and then make sure they put them in the bag because I have these beautiful messages that people left behind. And, you know, and I'll often track that. I'll, I'll track and I haven't done, you know, in-person programs until recently again, but I think I tracked at some point in time that I had over 10,000 thank you cards that have been written in my programs that are then out in people, out in people's lives. And, and you share the story of when a, when, a, when a card arrives, you know, back to when my father passed away, um, one of the moments that stuck out me the most, and I remember being at the door and opening up a card and it was a card from a friend that I had met at a peace conference in The Hague in uh, the Netherlands. And I got the card and it was a Winnie the Pooh card. And it was just saying, hey, it was awesome to meet you and hang out with you. Uh, she was from Norway, also really cute. And so that made me smile as well. And, and she was like, hey, I just want to let you know it was awesome to hang out with you. It was so much to play for you. I hope you're doing fun. I hope you're smiling and everything. The rest, she didn't know my dad passed away. Mm -hmm. She just sent me a card, but that card came inside piles of cards of people expressing their sympathy. Mm -hmm. I had that moment of normality. And for two years, I tried to figure out how to contact her because I didn't have her contact information. I had her address and stuff, but I didn't do it until I had a friend from Norway who, who came to school at my university and she helped me track her down with the information I had. And I sent this message in a heartfelt email. So like, okay, didn't mean anything to her, but for me, it was that element of completion to thank her, to let her know how much that card at that moment did. Cause I held on to that card because it made me feel normal again. Yeah. That's a great story. Y your website is called beyond. Thank you. And that's what I love is that that's, it says it all in my mind is, is showing people that you care. It's all about that, but it's also the feeling that it gives you when you do it. Yeah. Yeah, it triggers. So, so what's, what's been proven, there's, there's research done by a guy named Richard Boyatvitz out of Case Western. He wrote a book called Resonant Leadership with somebody else. And I can see the book, but I can't see the name of the other author. Uh, it's right up there on my shelf. Um, and one of the things they found is that we have our, our stress response is our sympathetic nervous system. Right, that's fight or flight response. When we're stressed out, we get hyper focused. Our vision goes down to thirty. Uh, our peripheral vision goes from I think two thirty to thirty degrees, and that's our sympathetic nervous system, like that fight or flight response. And we can sleep, we can rest, we can do all these things, and it will recover our body, but it won't recover our mind. This is why you can sleep and sleep and still wake up tired. And in order to trigger and help repair our brain and recover ourselves, we need to trigger what's called the parasympathetic nervous system. And the parasympathetic nervous system in their research found that it was triggered by four different things. One was mindfulness and self-awareness, like taking time to reflect and think about what's going on in my mind right now. Why am I feeling stressed right now? Why am I having this reaction, meditation, and all those things? And then another one is compassion. And so when we express compassion to other people, it triggers the parasympathetic nervous system to rest and recover. So that process of writing out and taking time to think about what we appreciate about others and why expressing it to others i'll watch in my workshops i have people stand up and, and do this process called reflective recognition which is where we ask people what they want to be recognized for because we don't see we don't see what they're proud of we don't see what they're dealing with behind that door behind you every single day and so we ask people what they're recognized for and people squirm they don't want to do it and i have people do it five times and i've done this workshop on every single continent minus Antarctica with oil workers, with UN employees, with social workers, with senior executives, with diplomats and all the rest. 
And every time I do it, people are hesitant, squirming in their seat. And by the fifth time they do it, you watch people light up and I watch people break into tears, you know, wow. many times. I'm not saying that's the, the moment of great, but it's all of a sudden I feel seen and I got to express what I'm proud of out into the world. And I got to have somebody hear it and validate it. Mm. And when that happens, right, you watch people just all of a sudden relax or just feel like, oh my God, yeah. I feel relieved, I feel seen and I feel complete, right? And that, that moment right there, there's more to care for people than most other things that we can do, right? Because it slows us down long enough and it has us connect and get in community with others. This is amazing information. It really is. It's like people need to stop and just, um, just think about, are they being true to themselves? And are they happy with what they're doing? And are they doing enough to serve others? I really think that, you know, it all, especially in this world today, right? It's, it's just, there's so much we can do to make others. You know, I, I, I keep thinking the whole time I'm, I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about, and I don't know if I shared this with you, but um, someone I know very close to me um, had an amazing job. It looked like it was going to be the best thing since I spread and she was learning and she was, they were doing team things and everything was, you know, cause it's global and they worked at home and they had to do all this stuff to bring them together. Then not quite a year in, they get, they call a meeting and they fired 10 of them all at once. Mm -hmm. And it was like, is this what the world is today? I mean, oh my gosh. Right. And it devastated her. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't anything she did. It was really just about business money. They now hired the people, those people trained at less money to do the same job. Right. And yeah, it just, there's still that going on and it just upsets me. And it will, and it will continue to go on. I mean, this goes back to impact awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Is that many times we're thinking about, you know, a tier one of impact awareness is how will this action or behavior impact me? Yes. Like, great. I can fire all these people. We're going to save all these things. It's going to impact our company. We're going to have better revenue. We're going to be more effective and we can do that. I mean, I don't know the, the, the cruise line or ferry line in the UK that, I don't know if you saw the news story a couple, a couple uh, maybe months back where they fired all of their staff and then they outsourced to another company that didn't, that had cheaper staff, yeah. right? It's like, great. They're going to keep on operating. This yeah. company yeah. that you're talking about is going to keep on making yeah. money, but then you're also going to have that reputation. And the truth is they're going to survive and they're going to be fine. And many times these situations are and end up being a gift or a wake up call yeah. for the other people, yeah. but it also leaves a taste in the mouth. Yeah. And that person's going to remember that, you know, I had an experience with someone the other day who um, wanted to bring me in to, to speak at their organization. And then when they told me the fees, it was, you know, less than an eighth of my fee. Uh -huh. and, and then they wanted it uh, recording for free. And then they wanted all these things. And I just said, Hey, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. And then the person right afterwards was like, well, you know, I thought you cared. I thought it wasn't just about money. I, and it was just started, started making these character jabs yeah. and those things. And it was funny because right afterwards, I kind of posted about this in a group about of, of other people who speak and do leaders. And one of the people in the group got approached by the same organization the next day and had the same reaction I did. And this thing about, do we value people? Do we value what it takes to do that? Do we value, yes, you know what? We save money for our company in doing that, 
But when we make decisions like that and we leave that, what we do is we leave 10 people out in the world who just got treated absolutely poorly. So we're going to put reviews up on Glassdoor. We're going to put marks up against that CEO. Mm-hmm. We're going to have that. So anytime they think of that brand or anybody asks them about what their experience was to work there, are going to share that out, are going to share the stories of that and everything like that. And that's going to, that right there kills your brand as an employer. So when it comes to hire, yep, you'll always be able to hire people cheaper, yeah. but you're not going to have the integrity, right? That people are going to want to be part of your brand and you may make more money, but at what cost? Yeah. You reminded me of back in the day when I was doing customer service training and talking about um, um, if somebody has a good experience, they tell a few people, but if they have a bad experience, they it's like four times. Well, now it's like totally multiplied beyond that. And um, the world knows in, in five minutes. So it's, yeah. And, 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 it, and it follows you around. And it, yeah. and it, impact is that people, you know, one of the things that I do with organizations, I run this program called Internal Champions and Structure for Ongoing Success. And what I do, and I I probably should rename that because it's not clear on what it is, but as I have organizations map the employee experience from prior to application through retirement and every touch point along the way that managers and leaders have to build and maintain relationships. And one of the things I have them do is I have them go out and I want you to go. And if you were to Google clear your search history or put an incognito window up and then search your company. And what's the first thing that comes up? What information, if I scroll and I look at my website, that first page, if I go onto Glassdoor and see the reviews, what am I going to learn about that company and what they do and what it's like to work for them? Mm -hmm. Am I going to read it and be excited to go there? Or am I going to read reviews and be like, hell no, I'm not going there. Because people have experience. I worked with a company, this one, I just had the, the backdrop up here link that I worked with yesterday. CEO has 100% approval rating on Glassdoor. 100% approval rating. And having worked with her, I know why. Because mm-hmm. every communication, and she drives results. They've acquired 10 different companies over a short period of time. They're growing rapidly. They serve schools. They do amazing work. But every time she speaks, she helps every person in that room understand how their role and how what they contribute contributes to the overall success of the company. And she pushes them, she pushes them, she connects them, but she also understands what those people need, what they need to hear, what they need to understand and how she sees them and that and their role and the overall results of the company. And they're clear on that in every interaction. Nice, nice. Well, Chris, we, we need to wrap up. I know that you've given us a lot of things to think about and you definitely care about what you do. I can just feel it in, in how, how passionate you are. Yeah. So one last question, um, if I could ask you, if you wanted to, um, uh, what piece of business advice would you leave? Would you share with my Um, my audience that would um, be the one thing that they should always pay attention to? Oh, the one thing, Um, you know, a lot of what we we spoke about today is I think that, you know, a a good friend of mine who is a, I always get clinical psychologists and psychiatrists (laughs) mixed up. Um, The one who can, one who can uh, prescribe medication is that psychiatrist. Yeah. Psychiatrist. You know, he has a, a really great line. It's if we're not building relationships, they're breaking down, right? <laughs> so there's, there's, no, there's no one or the other. And this is in our home life. This is in our work relationships. And mm-hmm. just because we, we appreciate people, if they don't know that and they don't have the experience of that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then our relationships are breaking down. 
And so it's those little things each day that we can do, whether it's sending a card, whether it's sending a message, whether it's asking people about how they're doing um, is what makes the biggest difference. And I'm actually starting to get visited by my cat who has decided I've been in the office too long, <laughs> closed too long. So my screaming cat that's deaf is going to be looking for attention right now. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's the fit. So basically, if we're not building relationships, they're breaking down. And remember that we need to be doing little things each day. It's not the big one-off things that we do that make the difference. It's the day-to-day -day actions that send that signal. You know, yes. saying good morning, saying hello, asking how are your kids doing, checking in on that project, intentionally remembering what's going on for them, saying hello, inviting their family into the conversation, getting bigger projects that they can work on, you know, helping them grow, understanding what matters to them, and then supporting them to get there. And that can be for our business contacts, that can be for our family members, that can be for our employees or anyone, but that's what shows people that we care for them. Thank you so much. And one last thing, where can people find you? Is there anything that you want to let them know? Yeah, definitely. You can find me. My website is beyondthankyou.com. Um, you can connect to me on LinkedIn at Christopher Littlefield. Um, I have a YouTube channel that's up there too. If you just search Christopher Littlefield, and there's another guy, Chad Littlefield, no relation, but a good friend of mine. He also has a phenomenal YouTube channel. So Christopher Littlefield, and then also check out Chad because I mentioned him. Um, and then you can find me on LinkedIn. And I have a on my website, there's a, there's a newsletter called The Nudge. And every two weeks, I send out tips, tools, and resources to make connection easy. Perfect. I'll put all that in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you to my audience. Please let us know by leaving a review what you thought and um, we'll have more of the same. Thank you so much. Stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.